the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the shining spot of red in the sea of dismal. Dingy Institutional Blue, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM12A, The Patriot. My name, as always, Mitch Berg, going on 20 years of dominating Twin Cities media, not radio, not broadcasting, not podcasting, all Twin Cities media, along with my friends and colleagues, Jack Tomzak from 3 to 5 here today on AM12A, The Patriot, Brad Carlson, the closer edition tomorrow from 1 to 3 here on AM12A, The Patriot, and of course, our uh, charter uh, member of the NARD, along with myself, King Banyan, Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. Together with the Northern Alliance Radio Network, we dominate all Twin Cities media. We're benevolent despots, but despots nonetheless. None dare challenge us because none uh, can possibly manage. Anyway, uh, great to have you here. Hope you all had a, a blessed Thanksgiving. I am. This is the first year in a while I haven't run my evergreen pre-recorded Christmas show, uh, because there's just so much to talk about. And honestly, one of the things I'm thankful for is this broadcast. And I figure, what the heck, let's just do it. I was also out last week. Chris, to me, I probably could have run my evergreen Thanksgiving broadcast last week, but uh, I was out, in fact. And uh, more on that later on in the broadcast here today. So uh, one of the things that I'm thankful for, but I suspect the Twin Cities left is not, is the is the series of, of things that I call Berg's Law, a series of aphorisms that invariably started out as satire, as as sardonic fun being poked at parts of a society, usually progressives, and in on further reflection, in fact, turned out to be ironclad absolute truths about uh, human behavior, especially those of progressives. Now, one of those laws is Berg's 21st Law of Rhetorical Evolution, which reads, when it comes to, quote, progressive policy, uh, yesterday's absurd joke is today's serious proposal and tomorrow's potential lot. Now, from that, uh, as of what two weeks ago, I, I added a corollary to Berg's 21st law. I call it the Alondra Cano corollary to Berg's 21st law. In blue electoral politics, quote, blue, end quote, never gets lighter blue or less, and I quote, progressive, end quote. There's only one electoral direction more progressive. A symptom of this is when one sees people just barely to the left of the city's Overton window referring to the progressive politicians and institutions in power as conservatives or as Republicans. As you're seeing, by the way, today, these days, in Minneapolis, uh, where you have and you're seeing this, this strategy bearing fruit after the last election in Minneapolis, where the progressives uh, swept, where the Democratic Socialists of America, a 
basically neo-Marxist party uh, made major gains and, and got, I believe, all but one of its city council people elected, and that only barely, uh, the, the, the one that lost only barely, as I, as I recall. Uh, but the Cano's Corollary, which is, by the way, named after Alondra Cano, the former, quote, third world feminist. <laughs> she, she, was, she was a particularly, uh, well, she seemed very far to the left at the time. And people used to look at, at her representing the Ninth Ward when she was uh, doxing her constituents who spoke out against her use of her platform for activism. Uh, she would attend BLM protests. She was involved in a pro- closely involved in a protest that uh, caused problems at the Mall of America in probably 2018, 2019. And then when people criticized her, uh, sent criticizing emails on the city of Minneapolis website, doxed them, basically released their phone numbers, their addresses, uh, information about them to the public for them to for, for to to leave her critics to the tender mercies of the least uh, of the of, of, of the loonies of the Minnesota far left. I mean, whenever your your identity gets out there, you're only as safe as the least stable member of the Twin Cities left wants you to be. Anyway. Uh, point being, with the Alondra Cano Correlatorberg's 21st Law, there is no moving back to the center with blue politics in blue cities. Now, we had some great news this past week about a huge acceptance of Berg's 21st Law or to the Condro, uh, Cano Corollary to it from Argentina. We'll come back to that later on in the broadcast here today. Uh, Javier... Uh, 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 may, I am blanking on his name. It'll come back to me here. At any rate, the libertarian conservative candidate, the anti-communist, anti-socialist candidate, uh, I think it's Melita, um, Melita, Javier Melita, I think his name is. I'll, we'll we'll come back to that. Won a landslide election against the uh, the, the neoliberal, and we'll talk about why that's important uh, in a moment here. But bear in mind. You, you you could look at some of the events that happened this past month in Minnesota and around the world and say, okay, there's some exceptions to the Cano corollary to Berg's 21st law. Uh, for example, uh, the, the mayorship of Duluth going to someone who's a little farther towards the center. Well, Duluth doesn't have the critical mass of insanity, believe it or not. Uh, has just, just dilute enough a concentration of progressive insanity that that that, that uh, Reinen, the new uh, mayor-elect, was able to actually win a race. I mean, of course, it didn't hurt that Emily Larson, the, the former mayor, the ex-mayor-elect, or the, what was it, the mayor-unelect, uh, I think the term is, uh, did such a terrible job and annoyed so many people in this, in this transitioning district. I mean, Duluth is still very left of center. It's not a whole lot to the right of Minneapolis but it's just close enough. The politicians are just close enough to having to go out among the people. They can't escape the population as easily as politicians in Minneapolis do. Therefore, the Democratic machine in Minneapolis has a lot more power than it does in Duluth. So uh, in Minneapolis, on the other hand, uh, there is no escape. And I, until I see 
some evidence that that dynamic is changing, it will remain a Berg's Law and a corollary to one of them. I bring this up because 3rd Congressional District Representative Dean Phillips is giving us an opportunity to test that. Uh, Dean Phillips, a Minnesota Democrat who is actually challenging the president uh, in the primary, uh, is taking his own advice to pass the torch on to a younger generation of Democrats. Uh, By the way, this is from USA Today. Phillips has, quote, urged the 81-year-old president to make room for a new generation of leaders. Now, the 50-year-old Phillips uh, is opening up his uh, congressional seat, announcing Friday he would not seek uh, re-election to the United States Senate. After three terms, it's time to patch the torch, he said in a statement. Phillips, in a long-shot bid, this is USA Today again, for the White House, has been calling on Biden to do the same, although he described Biden as, quote, a terrific president, end quote. Uh, Phillips has cited his age and bad polls as a warning sign for Democrats in the 2024 presidential election. Top Democrats and donors remained loyal to Biden, while Phillips, a multimillionaire business person, who is self-funding part of his campaign, works to establish name recognition in early primary states. It's an uphill battle, by the way. It's the conventional wisdom is that members of the United States House tend to be uh, one of 435 people who are famous in uh, 435th of the country. They are famous in their districts. Most Congress people outside of the notorious ones like uh, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Cori Bush, the ones who, who develop some level of infamy. Matt Gates might be another one. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, and uh, Lauren Boebert and the like. The people who develop some degree of fame or infamy outside their districts. Other than them, they're almost invariably fairly obscure people. Phillips is now one of about a dozen lawmakers who say they're going to be stepping down next year as parties try to win control of Congress. Uh, and by the way, you, you think this is an opportunity for a pickup for Republicans. And, and you'd be right, potentially. The 3rd Congressional District has gotten depressingly blue lately. Now, for those of you who are and, and by the way, I've, I've seen a, I don't want to say a critical mass, but a large number of my Republican friends from CD3 are the ones who have been the most lo- vocal about picking up and leaving Minnesota, about moving elsewhere. Uh, I've talked about this on the broadcast in the past. We will no doubt talk about it in the future. The the 3rd Congressional District has probably had one of the more dramatic turnarounds in the wrong direction in the state of Minnesota. Now, and this is not sitting well with a lot of my friends from the 3rd Congressional District, who many of whom are leading the exodus to places like Florida or uh, Arizona, Texas, South Dakota, for crying out loud. I mean, two Dakotas to choose from, you pick. Well, anyway, I don't want to get into that. But this has been a a drastic turnaround, which, as we point out in in the past, is not grounds for despair. 30 years ago, Minnesota's eight congressional seats comprised six Democrats, uh, DFLers, and two Republicans. Today, it's even. And logically speaking, you'd think that the 3rd Congressional District is a chance for a pickup. Uh, Now, the Democrats know this. Back to USA USA Today. And I quote, two Democrats are already running for this seat, which uh, largely serves suburban Minneapolis, actually serves the heart of our listening area here. State Senator Kelly Morrison, the OBGYN who just loves her some abortion, and Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon, 
a secretary of state who just loves him some abortion because it brings in lots of Democrat votes. Phillips said the last seven years have presented, quote, historic opportunities and challenges, including some of the darkest days of our nation's history. Uh, Quoting uh, Phillips yet again. Quote, America has endured for a remarkable 246 years as the longest lasting democratic republic in the world. But we are facing a crisis of cooperation, common sense and truth, he said. And by the way, he's right on all three of those. And in fact, is probably close enough to the center where he could actually see some of these from the same perspective as some of us as uh, some of us conservatives can see. Uh, In parting words to his colleagues in Congress, the moderate Phillips, that's right, he stands as a moderate out there. The moderate Phillips said, and I quote, no party has a monopoly on solutions and we must stop fighting one another and begin fighting for one another before it's too late. And, you know, Dean Phillips was obviously on the wrong party. He's someone that I've never particularly cared for. I've, I've certainly lined up my shots at him over the years, but... He's right, and we'll talk about some of that later on, by the way. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. AM 12A, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, the dingalings aren't just... Governor, uh, governing bodies in Minneapolis. No, in fact, there are good dinglings out there. I'm talking, of course, about the Salvation Army bell ringers outside your favorite stores all over the metro area. I love it because the Salvation Army, I mean, is the charity I support. It's uh, they help people 365 days a year, every day, five, five. What I'm saying, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you could offer some of your time or financial help, they need it. Oh, we'll be talking about that in a moment here as well. Go to SalvationArmyNorth.org. That's SalvationArmyNorth.org. This is the time of the year, especially as Bidenomics digs its claws into the working class, that the Salvation Army needs your help. So dig deep, and when you hear the dingalings, it's not just Minneapolis government. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot, 651-289-4488, the number to call. By the way, what's going on in the show today, you may ask? We've got Liz Collin from Alpha News, also the, uh, the, the star anchor reporter of the movie uh, uh, Fall of Minneapolis, which came out a couple weeks ago. I saw it the week before last. I found it fascinating, interesting. Uh, it, it brought up some facts that have been drowned out in the media coverage and stuff stuff that needs to be stuff that needs to be discussed, certainly uh, that deserves not to be shouted down, which, of course, is the left's response to everything they find inconvenient. They can't argue. They can't debate. Almost nobody can these days. Let's be honest. And so they shout it down. They they cancel it. it. We deserve better than that. And we'll be talking with Liz Collin about that precisely after the top of the hour here. Anyway, uh, Dean Phillips uh, ran for uh, running for president right now, has uh, pointed out that he's going to be dropping out of his race for the third congressional district after some speculation as to whether he was going to try and stay in both races until the presidential tilt was resolved. Uh, Of course, he earned the frothing ire of the entire DFL establishment when he announced. I mean, there is nothing 
the DFL hates worse than an apostate, someone who primaries one of their people. Now, Republicans will turn out a little bit of uh, a little bit of peak, if you will, against people who primary Republicans. But there is nothing that the DFL and Democrats in general hate worse than than somebody primarying uh, one of their anointed chosen. And so this probably has a lot to do with the fact that uh, that Dean Phillips has opted not to run for office again here since it was pretty much assured that he would be getting no support from anyone. I mean, Ken Martin came out and totally torched him, worse than I've ever seen a Republican torch Dean Phillips. And some of the uh, massive droogs that make up the DFL uh, commentariat were just out for blood with uh, with Phillips. So his career was pretty much over. And exactly why he's running for president? Well, he's a rich guy. He doesn't need to be in office to have money, power, contacts, access, success. He's, he'll do just fine. He'll he'll uh, eke out a living in the world here, one way or the other. Unlike certain Congress people, that uh, if they were not in office, well, they'd be thrown. Once they've been in office, they all get thrown into the nonprofit industrial complex. So don't cry for them. But uh, in their place, uh, we are looking at two potential DFL candidates uh, that have already gotten into the race. Kelly Morrison, who I have to say, in a, in a DFL majority in the legislature whose entire communication strategy is selfies, Kelly Morrison, worse than Governor Klink, Worse than co-governor Flanagan uh, is is the worst of the bunch in terms of communicating entirely in the form of selfies, uh, which is the the norm these days. It's it's the way you can uh, communicate with a low information uh, pro <laughs> low information voter base, which is what the DFL voter base is. Let's not get smug about that. Their votes they votes their votes count the same as the smart people's vote, but. Uh, and of course, uh, Steve Simon, the current Secretary of State, is is running for the uh, for the nod also here. We'll see what happens there. I, if I had to guess, I would guess that uh, Steve Simon has the inside track towards getting the DFL uh, endorsement, which is really what matters uh, in terms of of not not just winning the race. This is the third congressional district, so a Republican could, in theory challenge uh, in the 3rd Congressional District, provided the 3rd Congressional District can get its act together. Now, there, I know a lot of you in the 3rd Congressional District, your hearts are in the right place. As someone who's been in the 4th Congressional District for a long time, I understand what it's like running up a long hill, a, a much longer, steeper hill in, in my case. I get it. But boy, if there was ever a time to get out there with someone who can leverage the anger parents are feeling, the anger that uh, parents of students who are being shortchanged by our education system are feeling, the the nerves that people have as they watch Bidenomics tear away at their retirements, at their investments, at their futures, at their children's futures, at the value of their homes, the biggest investment they've ever made. I... I among the people who are hardcore Democrats, it doesn't matter. They will vote as they put it, as it's put politely. They will come home, come election day. All the talk of strife and dis, disunion, uh, disunity among DFLers is wind in sails because they always come home and vote on command 
come election day, every last one of them, they will go with whoever Ken Martin tells them to vote for. It never fails. So that's entirely why I suspect that Steve Simon will wind up with the nomination uh, because Kelly Morrison is worth more to them in the uh, Senate at this point. And Dean Phil, uh, not Dean Phillips, uh, Steve Simon it can probably, I, I suspect they're probably counting on another Secretary of State candidate on the DFL side being able to skate into that office. I mean, God bless her. Kim Crockett wasn't much of a challenge this last go around. We, we haven't had really good Secretary of State challenges in quite some time. Attorney General, yes. A state Auditor, oh, you betcha. Secretary of State, uh, it was not a close race, and it should have been. It should have been. Uh, and I think the DFL is counting on the fact that they they should be able to count on their momentum in that race. Keith Ellison, I almost saying, Jim Schultz, you want to take another run at it here. I'm, I'm right here for you. Ryan Wilson, uh, Julie Blaha should, by all rights, be dead auditor walking, politically speaking. At any rate, so we'll see what happens there. But the, the, the third district Republican Party, here's your chance. I mean, you, it was not a good race for you last time around here. Uh, the, 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 the last race for the uh, United States congressional seat running up against Dean Phillips did not go well for the third congressional district, much worse than it should have. While the second CD is a genuine challenge, and Angie Craig knows she's going to have to work for her seat, uh, because against all odds, the second congressional district Republicans have managed to stay organized and and put good candidates out there, and, and God willing, they will again. Uh, it's it's been it's been a hard go for the third congressional district, and I, honestly, I would love to know why. I get it; the demographics of the district have changed. The demographics of, for example, the Southwest Metro have changed to the point while where while. Uh, Julia uh, Coleman uh, is a pretty strong candidate. You had the likes of solid conservatives like Dave Osmek getting, in effect, redistricted out of office by the likes of, well, Kelly, the abortion OBGYN Morrison, which for which the entire state is much, much poorer, literally and figuratively. The demographics have changed. It doesn't take a rocket su- uh, surgeon to note that the same demographic that led Edina from being a fairly solid Republican town to a really solid Democrat town. In other words, middle-class Democrats fleeing the results of their own (laughs) electoral folly is taking place all over the 3rd Congressional District. People fleeing Minneapolis, but bringing the politics they're fleeing with them to Minnetonka, to Golden Valley, to St. Louis Park, to to Eden Prairie, for the love of God. Eden Prairie used to be a solid Republican town. Now it's purplish, but it, it is what? It's yet another year where the opportunity is there if the party is there to strike at the opportunity here. Now you say, Mitch, you're kind of a Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I'm an observer. I'm, a, I'm an observer of how... Different units practice politics in the state of Minnesota. And let's just say there are opportunities for improvement out there. And God love you, CD3. I've, I've worked with you before. I'm here to help any little old way I can. But 
for the love of God, let's get someone out there who can challenge uh, challenge for this seat. Because Kelly Morrison, I mean, good God, if she gets the, the, the nomination, someone who stood four square for squandering the so-called surplus that wasn't, someone who stood 100% behind allowing parents to violate their home state custody orders and bring children to Minnesota for chemical castration, not for a religious camp, not for learning, uh, going canoeing in the boundary waters, not for not for going to basketball camp, but chemical castration and uh, being indoctrinated into the trans cult. Yes, you can do that. She was behind that, and she is behind Foursquare, the teachers' union that is gutting the Minnesota education system, which keeps getting worse and worse. God love you teachers out there. I'm, I'm related to a lot of them. But all of you, all of you in CD3 need to look at what the DFL hath wrought in your district. W-R-O-U-G-H-T, but also R-O-T in the 3rd Congressional District. And, and <sighs> votes, voters need an opportunity. And if you are looking to run in the three, let me know. Have your people call my people. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. Go nowhere. AM 12A, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, we're doing it again this Christmas. How would you like to have your mortgage or rent paid? This is not a song about the uh, entire year 2024, up to 18 grand. If you're a grand prize winner of the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes, enter at am12athepatriot.com. You can see the terms at the website. Just go there. Thanks, by the way, to Kingdom Builders Roofing for their support in this annual tradition. It's one of our favorites here. This 651-289-4488 to the number to call should you care to join us here. Uh, Liz Collin coming up after the top of the hour here. And uh, lots of other stuff to talk about. No shortage of news out there. Uh, so one of the big, one of the uh, offshoots, one of the perhaps more trivial offshoots of the orgy of bad legislation that the DFL foisted on us this past legislative session was a push to redesign the Minnesota state flag. Now, when Democrats, DFLers in particular, talk about redesigning things, what they usually mean is destroy things, uh, to to chuck everything and and make things much, 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 much worse. For example. Their idea of redesigning the Capitol Mall in uh, St. Paul involved, rather than going through the due process of going through the Legislative Commission, uh, or sorry, the Capitol Architecture Commission, that co-governor Flanagan leads, by the way. I mean, she had all the clout she needed to. They just let a bunch of their activist thug friends come over and pull down the statue of Christopher Columbus. Problems. Oh, and by the way, they'll let one of them take a sweetheart deal, take the, quote, fall, end quote, for leading the destruction of that particular bit of state property and sentenced him to the, quote, punishment, end quote, of going out to schools and teaching kids why Christopher Columbus was bad. Sort of like sentencing an alcoholic and drunk driver to working as a bartender and beer tester. That's really what it was. At any rate. That's how 
the Democrats redesigned the Capitol Mall. By the way, I suspect, again, and I will say this without much fear of contradiction, if a bunch of us went to the Capitol Mall and threatened to pull down the statue of Elmer Anderson, former governor, and let's be honest, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Olson. What was his name? Olson, the guy that they named or, or, uh, Olson Memorial Highway after. Uh, I won't say Fred Olson, but it doesn't matter. Uh, former governor of Minnesota, a, a neo-socialist and perhaps the most toxic authoritarian ever to serve as governor of Minnesota. I mean, had no problem cracking down on, on critics and journalists and back when journalists actually reported on things, of course. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, do, I don't think we'd get quite the same treatment. Do you? I don't either. Uh, so anyway. The destruction, this particular pattern, continued uh, with the a statewide contest to design a new flag for the state of Minnesota. Now, the, in theory, the, the, the line about the old flag was that it was all entirely focused on the conquest of Minnesota, and it excluded the people who were already here, the, the natives of Minnesota. It focused uh, the current flag, which I'll be buying at least one of here before it gets changed, which will be happening in the next session. It, it, it's it, it, the, the beef with it is it focuses on the, well, what's the term? Colonization of Minnesota by all those uh, farmers here and, and essentially celebrates the squeezing out of the natives who are here. Okay, fine. I say what you will. I mean that the term colonialism is kind of a, a garbage excuse these days, but we'll, we'll we'll run with that here. So, for now, let's just say we do need a new, more inclusive flag. Well, we they 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 got down from two thousand some submissions, some of which were just comical, some of which were intentionally comical, many of which were not. Uh, I, I think my favorite comical one was somebody submitted a photo of his dog, which honestly had to be in the top twenty percent for me. Uh, but the finalists uh, that came out were, and, and I posted them at shotinthedark.info on a post, I think, on Friday entitled False Flags Part 2. Uh, these are the finals. There's a uh, piece, a tweet uh, released by Brianna Bierschbach of uh, Star Tribune. Where is she at these days? Doesn't matter. Uh, they're all, they're all kind of running together these days. At any rate, uh, the six state flag finalists look like this. One of them, uh, and, and to be perfectly honest, or to be perfectly open about the whole thing, there were quite a number that had a five-pointed flag on a washed-out blue background that looked for all the world like the Somali flag. Now, a star is a star is a star, and it you, you go out and, and Google star image uh, in your clip art file, and you're probably going, going to come back with a default star of five points. And if you're focused on a blue background, because Minnesota's got a lot of water, perhaps you've heard, well, there you go. It's the North Star uh, over a lot of uh, a, a big sky and a lot of water. Well, white on blue. Two things that don't define Somalia, but that's fine. The uh, And I'm not one of those people who necessarily thinks the vast majority of those were uh, pro-Somali conspiracies, that's that's that, that's filling in an awful lot of context. I wouldn't doubt that some wag out there, maybe even on our side, submitted uh, something that was a, a, uh, a riff on the Somali flag, potentially. 
And who knows? Maybe some Somali kid looking to uh, get a rise out of people did the same thing. Who knows? Who knows? But the six finalists themselves are not the most inspiring bunch. Now, to be fair, all of them are some uh, some reference to L'Etoile du Nord, the the North Star, Uh, the eight point or either four or eight pointed star that is uh, one of Minnesota's official state emblems. That being said, three of them are are nothing but a North Star, an eight-pointed star uh, on a plain, more or less blue background or a green and blue background. These three all look like my stepmother's sweaters that she wears around Christmas time. That's the best way to describe. That's the way I've seen enough. I described it originally as looking like either something from Ikea Nothing wrong with Ikea, but they I don't go there for my state flags. Uh, or something from Microsoft Clip Art circa about 1998, 2000 or so. And I could see that those would be preferable to some of the options we've seen. Now, the the three playing L'Etoile du Nord, they're, they, they look like, yeah, my stepmother's cardigan or sweater come wintertime. Nothing wrong with that. Not really a great state flag. Another one is a North Star uh, over a field of, it looks like blue over a field of green. Okay, the the Minnesota night sky. It's a nice image. It's also pretty cheaply done. Another one is an eight-pointed star. looks actually like an evangelical Lutheran church emblem uh, over a green and blue background. Not tasteless, not inspirational. One looks like it's got to be the flag of some sub-Saharan African dictatorship. Uh, the, the North Star over a blue left side with white, green, and blue on the right. I get it. You got snow, you got trees, you got water. It gets the basic ideas across. It, it could be worse. It's probably, I, it may have worked its way up to my third favorite of the bunch. There's one I kind of hate less. I almost said kind of like. It's that That's a little aggressive. It's a little abstract. It's a North Star in the upper left corner with a big on a dark blue background with a light blue swoosh coming in from the lower left and a white swoosh mirror image almost coming in from the upper right. It looks like it could be a river heading off into the clouds. It looks like it could be two loons or the reflection of a loon in the lake, potentially. Very abstract. I hate it less than the others. I could see voting for it, potentially. But I am reminded of the old phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, the only way the current flag is broke is when it's put up against the absolute politically correct woke fashion curve. That's it. That's the only that's the only way the current flag comes up short, especially compared to some of the other state flags you see around the United States. I mean, Maryland, come on. But the other thing about this flag is is this. The current flag, which dates back to statehood, I believe it goes back into the 1860s. Actually, I think it was adopted after the Civil War, but it's not that different from the flag before the Civil War. It has a similar mid 1800s style to it. And I'm just looking at all of these clip arty looking christmas sweatery looking central african dictatorship looking abstract art project looking projects proposals for our state flag i'm thinking 
if on July 2nd, 1863, the 1st Minnesota Regiment had been bugled up and told to rally behind any of these flags and been told to go into action against five to one odds, a virtual suicide charge, behind any of those flags, I I have to think Robert E. Lee would have wound up sacking Washington, D.C., New York City, and Boston within a few weeks, because I don't know that I see any of these as the sort of flag that is going to that is going to inspire people to acts of great heroism. It They're all, f- at best, feel good and mediocre. Now, is a flag the thing that, that gets people to rally behind a cause and charge towards uncer- near certain death with armed with a bayonet and a muzzle-loading musket? No. No, it takes more than a flag. It takes an ethos in a society that, that calls for people to strive for great things, perhaps sacrifice for great things, and and go above and beyond the call of, uh, call of duty for great things. And this, this, These flag proposals are not the proposals of people who came halfway around the world to start new lives and to fight for the system they came for. No. These are flags for a people that files TPS uh, cover sheets on the on the fax cover sheets on their TPS reports. These are the flags of people who spend their days filling out paperwork. And, and perhaps that is and, and wonder why the schools have have gone to heck in a handbasket. Maybe it just reflects the people that Minnesota are today mediocre, blah, the the unseasoned oatmeal of a body politic. I don't know. Well, 651-289-4488, the number to call should you care to join me. And I hope you do. That's what we're here for. On a Thanksgiving weekend, sent straight from God, let's be honest. So much to be thankful. We'll talk about that in the next hour as well. Go nowhere. AM 12A, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488, the number to call. Hey, Christmas music is back on the Fish Twin Cities, found at fishtwincities.com, that is to say, thefishtwincities.com, our contemporary Christian music channel on the web. You'll find your favorite music, edifying, inspiring, did they spell it inspirating? Oh, we have to talk, have to talk with the copy people here inspiring and entertaining. Uh, just go to the Fish Twin Cities to come. By the way, if you're one of those people who complains about Christmas music, go away. Stay under your rock until until after Christmas. I love me some Christmas music, and that's what they're playing at thefishtwincities.com. This is not a Christmas song, but I don't care. 651-289-4488 is the number to call, should you care to join us. By the way, some bad news uh, from here. at the, uh, at the kind of bad news I hardly ever get to talk about on the radio, and I'm sad to report it. Uh, Mark from St. Louis Park, regular t- uh, long-time caller, one of the regular callers I genuinely, truly, sincerely enjoyed hearing from every time he called. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're a, a caller out there, I've enjoyed hearing from all of you. And there's a number of callers out there who uh, 
stand out head, shoulders, and ankles above others. Uh, in fact, one of the instructions I always give to my producers when we get a new producer, and uh, Gabe can attest, I gave him this uh, same same spiel when he started. Uh, thing, something I learned early on in my days in talk radio is that there's there's four kinds of callers: average callers, b- uh, crazy callers, boring callers, and great callers. The average callers, you, you want to let average callers on. You don't want people to get too intimidated. There's boring callers. Boring callers. It's like yeah, it's, it, you don't you don't always put them on the air. People who just want to agree with you. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we can get that by me saying what I say on the air without needing someone to agree. Crazy callers, they have their ups and downs, and just plain great callers, people whose input to the show, you can just tell as a phone screener, is going to make the uh, the show go better. It's going to take the show to another level, bring something, some perspective to the program that it wasn't going to have without that caller. Usually you count on the host providing that. Every once in a while, the caller is the person who provides that impetus to take the show from one level to a much better level. Mark from St. Louis Park was one of them. Uh, he passed away this past week. I believe it was Tuesday as when his obituary went up. His obituary is uh, on at the Star Tribune right now as well as I'll post the link at shotinthedark.info later on here today. He was a highly valued participant in this broadcast for those last, I don't know, five, six years or so he started calling in. One of those people who just had the the, the okay to get on the air whenever he called. And I am deeply saddened to see his passing this past week. And I wish nothing but my heartfelt condolences to his friends and family and everyone in his life. And we will miss him here at the 1280, here at the Northern Alliance Radio Network, because he was one of the really, really good ones. I will post a link to uh, his obituary at shotinthedark.info when I get a moment here, because uh, he, he's worth remembering. And, and I, again, my condolences, um, my most sincere possible condolences and prayers for the entire family, his loved ones, his friends, everyone in his life. And... Um, yeah, the show will be a poorer place without him. And for that, I am uh, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, at any rate, that was uh, something you, I don't, you don't often hear that a caller has passed. And I'm grateful for wh- whoever it was who called in and told us um, that, that this had happened. Mark from St. Louis Park. Uh, so uh, all the best uh, condolences and and. Best wishes for everyone uh, involved. Anyway, talking about the replacement of the Minnesota state flag, uh, it, it was left rather famously to a public art contest. And the thing about public art, as P.J. O'Rourke, one of my favorite commentators ever, uh, someone else who passed away in the last year or two, uh, put it is public is to art as public is to restrooms. There's nothing good about a public restroom. They're at best... At best, the filth is barely contained, and art, not much better. I, I, I mean, granted, the flag contest was one of the less overtly stupid things the DFL-controlled legislature sent the state chasing after this year so far, uh, but it may be more insidiously stupid in other ways. The the Again, the initial uh, submissions were just a, a endless tsunami of garbage for the most part. Uh, the finals we talked about are, are less than inspiring. There's a few that I hate less. That's the best can be said about them. Now, 
I think the way if if Minnesota's slide into tyranny isn't arrested by a an uprising at the polls, at the polls of the smart people, the sane people, the people who actually work towards a real sustainable future, which, by the way, does not mean taxing uh, the people who are producing to pay for those things and institutions that are not. Uh, the, the, the real flag of Minnesota is really not going to be one flag, but but four flags eventually. Um, some have suggested, uh, alone among states, we, we need – I mean, there was actually a uh, – yeah, a proposal in the Star Tribune, an op-ed saying we really need two flags, one for summer, one for winter. Now, as a North Dakota native, I'm thinking if you're south of Highway 2, your winter does not need a separate flag. Sorry, sorry. But I do see a case for multiple flags. And if Minnesota keeps going the way it has been going, Minnesota will need two, fl- uh, four flags the same way. Germany needed four flags in 1945. The four powers that will inevitably, eventually be forced to move in, liberate the state, and impose sanity on the state of Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Iowa will be at least our de facto flags for a while. Oh, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, folks, but just a little. Uh, (laughs) And by the way, it'd be interesting to see. Of course, these states, three of the four, are solidly Republican and getting more so. Wisconsin is always a battleground between good and silly and and sometimes toxically evil. Uh, and all my best to the people of Wisconsin. So, I don't know, perhaps in a just world one day, we will have four flags waving over Minnesota as the sane adult neighbors oversee picking up the wreckage of this state. I, again, just a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but again... Just a little. Uh, next hour, we're going to kick things off with Liz Collin. Uh, you know her from Alpha News. You you knew her from Channel 4. And you should know her from her new documentary, uh, The Fall of Minneapolis, uh, which goes over the history of the 2020 riots, the death of George Floyd, the Chauvin trial, the trial of the four officers that are currently in prison uh, for uh, the, the murder of George Floyd. We'll be talking about that much more when we come back. Northern Alliance, AM 1280, The Patriot. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.